<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season four, episode seven of Two Guys One Dice Cup. This episode is entitled New Hammer, and uh, my name is Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and I have on the other end Phil from our Ashes Cairns. Yes, thank and... you, Phil, for still being there and uh, <laughs> taking part in the New Hammer episode. New Hammer. Uh, bit of a stretch, but uh, we're going to be talking about the new Warhammer game, uh, Warhammer Old World. Yes, yes we are. Yep. So, uh, you know, this is something that myself and Phil have spoken about little bits in the past in previous episodes, uh, and it's something that's been on on our radar and on the horizon for each of us all the way back in 2019, when they first announced that, um, when Games Workshop first announced that the old world would be making a glorious return. Um, so we're going to touch on that in the main section. Uh, we're going to talk about our hobby to start with, you know, for new listeners. Um, myself and Phil sort of warm up a little bit by talking about what we've been painting, what we've been buying. Then we'll talk about the old world. And then after that, uh, we'll have some chat about our wargaming, different tournaments we've participated in since we recorded last. And uh, I will be filling... Uh, our audience in on the Megatron Cup weekend which is a, a two day tournament weekend that I'll be running in August for the game of Blood Bowl and Bolt Action Isn't that right Phil? That's it, that's yeah. pretty much it then that's, that's what we're going to do that's So it. Phil, I've, I've done this fabulous introduction and uh, you should really start doing talking about your fabulous hobby and what's, what's on the painting table mate, what have you done? I've been like some sort of hobby savant this month. I've done lots of different things, and I think I've just like had a burst of uh, like productivity, uh, where like just like I've been doing like a metric fuck ton of everything. Um, well, well, talk to us about it, mate. So I um, I finished one commission. So I finished the. I was doing a set of Mandalorians for. Um, friend of the pro- the podcast, Brian. Um, so they they got finished up. Um, I put them to bed earlier in the month, and they've been handed over now. Uh, Brian was back over from Oman, where he's working right now, uh, to see his family, and uh, uh, he picked them up when we had a casual Blood Bowl game together. Um, so that's done. I've moved on to the next commission, which is it's a dwarf blood bowl team. Um, it's an odd split of models. There's uh, some Grebo stuff, and then there's some by I, I honestly can't remember the name of the manufacturer, but they're like a kind of it's almost like a steampunk dwarf team. In fact, it's, you've you've painted them before um, on commission yourself. Oh. I, I can't remember the name of the manufacturer of them, uh, but yeah. So it's like a, a kind of mash of those two, some Grebo stuff, uh, and that that team. Um, and I've been quite quite enjoying painting. So I've split them into two two halves. I'm doing the Grebo stuff because there's like uh, fourteen models of the Grebo stuff. I think. Yep. Maybe more than that. Maybe fifteen. Um, so I'm doing that at the moment. And then I'm going to do the other lot uh, separately because it'll be easier to kind of, you know what it's like with these things. If you can 
uh, make the workflow better. Uh, it makes it yeah. easier for managing it. Um, and uh, I'll be doing different things. So there's more metal, obviously, on the the steampunk stuff than there is on the, yeah. the Gribo things. So it, it makes it a little bit easier to to manage that. So that that's been going. Um, I've been doing that for just over a week now, and it's going well. Um, but while I was doing that, um, can't remember what I was filling. You know, you know, like everybody does this. You get like um, you need to fill some gaps in something, so you crack out the green stuff or the millipot or whatever, and you start working away at it, and then you realise that you've pinched off a wad that's like four or five times the amount, the amount that anybody would ever need for yeah. anything, and you've got fuck all to uh, to do with it. So the last time I did that. I sculpted a couple of designs on some shields, um, just just for practice on sculpting. So I think the last time I did it, I did a skull on a shield, a fly on a shield, like a, a Nurgle-style fly, and a Nurgle symbol on a shield. So I had three uh, things, maybe four actually, I can't remember. Um, at, least, at least three or four things done already. Um, and I just thought, well, fuck it. I, I, I quite fancy doing some other things. Um, so I'll crack out a couple more shields and uh, and just use the uh, the green stuff. So I got I got down to that, and uh, within a a day, I'd got another. I'd got up. I'd managed to kind of increase it up to eight uh, designs, uh, which I was pretty happy with. Um, had a look at them. And thought, you know something, I, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'm going to have a look into how much this is going to cost to cast or whatever. Got in touch with a couple of companies, got some quotes back. Uh, what One company in particular who are based down in, I think it's in Dorset, I can't, I'm pretty sure it's Dorset, uh, called Zealot Miniatures. Now they do a lot of casting, metal casting and resin casting. But uh, so I was speaking to the chap from from them for about a week, uh, but then while I was checking something else on their website, I noticed that they did three um, D scanning of um, uh, miniatures or whatever. Uh, so if you've sculpted something in like a standard medium, like milliput, whatever, uh, you can get them to scan it for you, and they then convert that into whatever you need, like be it an object file or an STL or whatever. Uh, so I casually asked them the prices for that. And with me already running a print business and stuff, uh, it seemed like there was a good opportunity there if the price was right to get them scanned in. And um, uh, I could sell them uh, easier. So spoke to them. They were like, yeah, that's no problem. We can do it for X amount. Um, we could. It'll take about a day to do. So if you could get it set down here, we'll we'll do it and send you the files back. Um, really, as soon as we can. I think the turnaround. They they left Aberdeen on the Saturday. They were with them on the Monday morning. Uh, and they'd done them by the end of the day on Wednesday, uh, which was great. That's pretty good. Uh, and you know, like I I'm not a an amazing sculptor. They were okay designs. I'm happy with them. It's the sort of thing I would buy and paint. Um and I thought 
you know, even if these come out shit, uh, at least I've got them and I can use them. You know, like it's yeah. something I've done. Um, like, and but I was surprised they were actually really, really good when like the STLs came back. I was like, oh fuck, they're actually quite detailed, and they look like they've got quite a lot of uh, character. Uh, right, okay, mm -hmm. so I bung them in the printer, print them off after going through the motions of support and everything like that. Not like emotional support. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't sitting there going, come on, shields, you know, like, this is what yeah. we need to do. It was more a case of, uh, like, uh, putting the physical supports on them so they could print. Um, and uh, printed them off all fine the first, uh, the first attempt. And they printed out quite nice as well. So Brilliant. I painted, they're, they're listed up on my website now, Granite Miniatures. Um, on Etsy. Um, so there, I've got there are multiple options on that. So folk could go and have a look. I'll probably put a link up in the two guys Facebook uh, over the next couple of days as well. But um, I also painted some of them. Uh, I had I needed some for my part of one of the reasons I did this anyway was because I wanted to make some for my Chaos Dwarves that I've been painting. Um. Because I, I couldn't come up with a freehand design for the shields uh, to paint on, um, and I landed on this particular kind of dwarven face that I'd uh, sculpted on. So I wanted to paint ten of those for my uh, chaos dwarves. So I did that, and I think I I'm quite happy with how they've that's come out. I also painted uh, a demon face one, which I thought was quite came out quite good as well. I I think I was saying to you earlier, um, when I first sculpted that one, I was like, mm, is that one like the, it's probably my least favourite out of the ones there. Mm -hmm. But when I was painting it, I was like, no, this has got like totally the right amount of detail on it in terms of lines and areas that you could, I mean, you could chuck, you could slap chop that and get something good out of it if you were just a fairly yeah. um, easy going painter. But there's, and there's more that you could do than what I did with it as well. So I painted that one up and I painted the eye. I did a, I sculpted an eye, uh, kind of nurgly, kind of plague, plaguey looking eye um, on a shield as well. And I painted that one up as well. And that one was a trial of uh, painting wills. I just started it and it looked shit. And I just couldn't find where I wanted to go with it. And then all of a sudden it was like, just after one step, it was like, no, I know exactly where this is going now. And uh, it came out pretty fine as well. So that was that. Was that. Um, what else have I done? I, oh, yeah. So I, I painted some more Chaos Dwarves as well. I yep. painted the um, Ass Cannon the, from the uh, Chaos Dwarves. Uh, Realm of Chaos era, uh, sort of limited release uh, from back. So this is then. this is your this is your Chaos Dwarf collection from the nineteen eighties. Yes, late eighties Yeah, late eighties, really early nineties. So it's all um, yeah. um, so, sort of third edition Warhammer kind of era. Yeah. Um, classic stuff big, from rather than the big hats. Um, yeah, classic stuff from thirty years ago. Yes, 
Um, and um, so I painted that up. Uh, I painted up the crew for that. I've also painted up the um, uh, bazooka uh, crew as well. So I'm going to run them. So I've got Gordon uh, Huntley Loon and I and Hipster Potter. Uh, I've always chatted about playing some fantasy stuff. So I think we're going to be playing some fourth edition at some point later in the year. And my plan is just to get about a thousand points of stuff up and running for that. And I'll use the cannon as a hell cannon or Earthshaker yeah. cannon in that era. And the bazooka team is a death rocket. And I'm quite happy with how they've come out as well. Uh, so, yes, I've had a fucking phenomenal part of painting, sculpting, work, and uh, business-related stuff that's all come it's together. Really, really good to hear, mate. I'm happy for you. I I was a bit of a slow one this month for myself. There's a lot of my um, downtime from family and other stuff away from the hobby was focused on the Megatron Cup weekend. Yes, um, you know it's a, it's a quite an admin heavy uh, format that I've generated for myself, but is extremely popular with our community that we have for bolt action um, and for blood bowls. So uh, there was a lot of admin to do with that, a lot of chasing up of sponsors. But I'll I'll go into the nitty gritty of those details um, sort of towards the end of the podcast. In terms of actual hobby, though. So it was a slow start, but then all of a sudden in the past seven days, um, the paintbrush was on fire. So I managed to slap chop out another, I just was just sort of looking up at them at my cabinet, slap chop out another 40 British bolt action infantry um, using a few different sort of other styles. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be ready for sale uh, reasonably soon. Well, they're, they're ready to go, but I want to put them together as a package. I've got a tank and an armoured personnel carrier uh, also on the painting table and they just need some final sort of weathering details done so that they can um, go together for sale just so it's a bit like a sort of a, an attachment to an army that somebody can have or if um, if I need to break it up for sale then I'll, I'll break it up for sale. So it was, I was a little bit jaded for a while during the uh, early month Um just because I was just spending too much time in front of the computer and not lifting up a paintbrush. But as soon as I got a paintbrush in my hand, it was just everything just flowed um, straight out. So it was really exciting. And then as soon as I finished that infantry and I varnished them, I'm, I'm never sure how other hobbyists work, but I've usually got these different staging areas around my workspace where there's the, right, you're finished, varnished, ready for sale. You can go to this place. So some of this gap needs to be filled. So I've moved the next project along. And it's a little, um, again, for bolt action, it's a Polish, a small Polish army that I won at an event a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, you know, it's 3D printed. So it's really crisp detail. It's got about, oh, where are they? There's like 30 infantry models, 10 horses and a truck and two officers. So... It's a, it's a fully contained little army. I don't, know, I don't play Poland as an army in bolt action, and um, so I'm never going to use the, the models, so I've decided to do a quick paint job on them and just sell them, sell them on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I want to keep that, that sort of fuel burning. And I've also got, at, at the next stage, um, there's a bunch of Japanese 
miniatures for bowl action again that I'll be pushing along to paint to sell. Um, and I guess I'm talking more about future plans though, so there's no real point in getting into any more of them. But I was being a good little spurt at the end there, so I'm I'm happy. But yes, I saw was, was some of the infantry that you painted the slap top ones with some of them Indian um yes. infantry. Yes. Yeah, I saw I saw them on your uh, your page. Yeah. Um your brushworks page. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, on so yeah, as as you've just said there, my um hobby and commission page is brushwork managers, which you can find on Facebook um quite easily. And yeah, so within within the rules of the bull action game there's a, a British army can sometimes have the ability to take a free 10-man squad of infantry that um, come from India. Just it was, It's a rule called manpower of the empire. So British empire, you know, could call upon Canada, Australia, South Africa, India. And there was, there was a lot of Indian troops involved in World War II. Um, so I thought I could just whip up this unit so that people can just buy it. So they'll always look... You know, their uniforms and um, battle gear would be distinctly different from a general British army, so they can yes. just plug in and play. So um, I've actually got plans later in the year to do another 10, another 10 man Indian squad if these guys sail quite quickly. So that was quite cool to paint, um, you know, different skin tones, uh, you know, as well, slightly different uniforms to all the other sort of British um, British miniatures that I've been painting recently. So. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, that, that's really nice. The, that's one of the cool things about uh, sort of doing stuff like that is is having an opportunity to paint different skin mm. tones as well. Yeah. I did that, and a really with the Amazon, and a really I did on commission um, as well. A few different yeah. skin tones. Oh yeah, that. you did as well. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. On a really boring historical note, before we go into our next little part, there was actually a Indian regiments that fought for the Germans as well. All right. Did not know that. um, Some sort—I cannot remember what they're called. Something tigers. They were called, and there was a there was that thought that India wanted to cast off Britain as its sort of colonial ruler, and they saw Germany winning World War Two as a way to do that. Despite the Germans. Oh no! No, that wasn't like that. (laughs) You don't. You don't talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they don't talk about that, mate. Don't 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 stress that. But there was there was one thing that I was extremely efficient at doing this month, and that was spending money. Oh my god, I am the same. Yeah. So for for listeners that are new to the Two Guys One Dice Cup podcast, um, years ago when myself and Phil started this podcast, we always spoke about the things that we bought, and we quickly realised that it's like. It was almost like a confessional yes. um, part of the podcast. So what we decided to do was that we we stopped talking to each other privately about this is exactly what we bought, and we turned it into a little competition that we do every month, where we each have three guesses to try and guess how much the other has spent on hobby. Now we do leave each other clues, you know, through our social media and you know group chats and personal chats, but. Um, Oh mate, I've really shit the bed this month. I have so much shit the bed. I've shit the bed big time on money. Mm, do you do you want to guess first? Yeah, you let's, should guess let's first. Do it. Let's do it. Um, right. 
So, I mean, you're usually quite modest in terms of your outgoings or have been recently. Yeah. So it depends whether shit the bed for you is like full on like Turkish prison diarrhea <laughs> or <laughs> or whether it's just like a wee Maltese or a crap after a, a like like a, a sneaky fart under the covers. I um smeared the walls. Right, okay. I I'm gonna say hundred and eighty. Higher. Oh Jesus, wow. Uh two hundred and fifteen. Higher. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've really <laughs> fucked it, mate. I really fucked it. Two hundred and fifty. Higher. And that's your oh three guesses. That's my final one. Higher than that. Yeah, I have shit the bed this month to the tune. Have you bought another 3D printer that you're not going to set up yet? <laughs> I, I might as well have. Um, I have shit the bed to the tune of £410. Oh my god, what have you been buying? <laughs> well, one of the rules, as you know, Phil, is that uh, when you back a Kickstarter, it only counts when the money leaves yes. your account and it is successful. So I backed a Kickstarter. And I know for long-term listeners, they will know that I fucking hate Kickstarters because they never deliver on time. There's always a big shitty mess and it just yeah. shits me to tears about them. But I backed Gale Force 9's uh, Firefly the Board Game uh, 10th anniversary Kickstarter. Yes. To the, to the tune of £300. Give or take conversion. Do you not have the Firefly game already? I have the Firefly game already and all the expansions that were ever released for it and it was it's been well used. Yes. But this my my wife is not a gamer of any description. Um but she loves playing this board game and you know, any excuse to, to play it she'll she'll make sure it happens and uh yeah. when this when this Kickstarter was announced, um or it was on GameFound, sorry, it wasn't on Kickstarter, but, you know, same... Same thing, thing, crowdfunding, yeah. Yeah, crowdfunding. So I, I showed Fiona, and she's like, so we're getting it, right? Didn't even have to ask, I just said, look at this thing. And so we backed the full thing, so we'll get... They're packaging up all the expansions together in a, a really big box. There was some add-ons that we had, so the they had produced in the past a neoprene gaming mat, yeah. Um, so instead of like, I think there was like four different cardboard sections as the expansions. This has all the expansion mats in it, so rolled into one. So it's like, yeah, we 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 never got the chance to ever get that. So we got that, and the Kickstarter it cleared two million dollars. Yeah. Um. So they unlocked all the stretch goals. So you know, shiny cards and um card holders and stuff. So when balls deep in it. And, you know, with it being Gale Force 9, I've, I've bought a lot of their products in the past and I've seen them, you know, start from a small company to be, you know, what they are today. And the fact is that it's a board game that they already print. Yeah. It's not something that has to go to, you know, be designed or manufactured. They just have to print, do another print run of what's already established and then package it up in their new sort of all in one packaging so I'm a, I'm a lot more confident 
in and theory, that. in theory, yes, that that should yes. be plain sailing. The problem, the problem with these things is always the stretch goals. Yeah, because the more that they have, the more wild that turns into like time frames, and it depends. Yeah. Like, if all the stretch goals were things that um, that were already existing, that's fine. You know, you can expect that to be um, fairly plain sailing as well. Uh, but if it's all new stuff, some of it is new stuff. Yeah. Um, sort of made or printed or whatever, uh, then it's subject to the the usual delays. That's always yeah. been the things that have thrown off the 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 big kickstarters that I've packed uh, uh, back, like Zombicide and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they usually go like insane uh, in terms of the stretch goals. And that's the that's the thing, you know. You know, as soon as that happens, that they're they're now spending like another six months fucking about designing stuff that they haven't actually done any work for because uh, they weren't sure whether the Kickstarter was gonna um, yeah was gonna make it. Level. But that that yeah. was the big ticket item, and even if it's delayed by a year, it's you know yeah. If yeah. I ever wanted to play Firefly, I've I've got the game anyway. Um, but it was something, I guess as well, it's something for us that our, you know, our friend David Miller, who passed away um, a year ago, you know, yeah. he was a huge fan of playing the game with us as well. And we've got a lot of good memories of playing that particular mm-hmm. board game with him. And, um, you know, I know that had he still been with us today, he would have backed the shit out of it. So he oh, had yeah. his own copy. Aye. He would have not hesitated. He would have bought everything. Um, so no, it was, it's, it's a nice thought that that's going to arrive in the future but there was other money spent and a little bit of this tied in with the Megatron 3000 bolt action tournament so uh, quite a few sponsors that have come on board which I'll, I'll talk about later offered different discounts for purchases alongside what they were going to send so I took advantage of some of them um, for myself and one of them was from Micro Art Studio Micro Art Studio produce uh, it's effectively MDF Terrain yes. for different 28mm um, board games but what they do is they print all the colour and detail onto it and there's a protective layer that you have to peel off and then you build but it also comes with um, you know if you've got windows plastic little windows that you can glue in and it's you know, it's noticeably more expensive. So I, I spent fifty, approximately fifty pounds. You know, after conversions and stuff, to pick up a couple of their new, uh, Western Front Normandy villages, sorry, um, buildings. I think I picked up a church and another little outbuilding, and that will join some of the stuff that I bought last year from them at this time. During the same process, but okay. it's worth noting that they also do the same style of terrain for Infinity. Um, yep. And it is just amazing. They've got these little sort of neon punk buildings down to the details of vending machines, little sort of futuristic looking cars and stuff. So at Micro Art Studio, if you can get to go and have a look at them, then then please, please do. Yeah, uh, I've, I've seen their stuff before. And like the, the Infinity stuff would work really nicely with Necromunda and... Uh, Stargrave and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, it, it's very cyberpunk sort of uh, 
Yeah, bright, bright, colourful, you know, really, really is well done stuff. Uh, the next purchase, again, was from another another sponsor, a company called Mardav. Uh, Mardav are uh, another, they're another 3D printing company. And uh, they do a lot of uh, World War Two stuff in 28mm uh, is their main focus, but you can obviously you know buy it in different scales. They've come on board as a sponsor for the Megatron 3000, and again, I, I didn't, I didn't take advantage of any discounts. It was during the process of me looking on their website to identify products that I would ask for as sponsorship that I decided to spend money um, on miniatures that I, I needed. Um, yeah. I actually, and I actually needed them, so I bought a tank. I've always got a secret tank. I always seem to be talking about secret tanks. Um, which I just can't be bothered about this time. So I bought the uh, Kugelblitz. A Kugelblitz is a German tank that was developed at the end of the war. It's got two heavy autocannons on it. It was like an anti-aircraft tank. Um, there was only ever five of them produced in like late 1945, but they're really good tanks. And I bought um, some motorbikes with sidecars for the German army as well. And and what it meant was that I could tie all that together along with the sponsorship package that they're sending just to, you know, save on a bit of postage and stuff. So, um, sure. so that was really good. So that was from Mardav. I, I'll, I'll talk a lot about them in the future, I think. They're, they're good, good value. I then backtracked and I was trawling eBay and I um, picked up three fighting fantasy novels. Um, I know we've, we've, we've had some we did some really, really good episodes on the fighting fantasy novels. I managed to get three. Uh, I got um, book number nine, which is Caverns of the Snow Witch, book uh-huh. 19, which is Demons of the Deep, and book number 33, which is Skylord. Uh, and I didn't have to, you know, pay an arm and a leg for them. It was one of those, yeah. you know, it was the bidding was good, so I picked them up for £13, which I thought was really nice. That's good. Uh, yeah, and then, oh, that was a, a completely random one that, again, I was on eBay, and there's the sort of Weird War Conflict 47 game that goes yeah. with bolt action, and last year, Warlord Games had produced a sort of limited edition German heavy infantryman. Uh, you know, you had to like spend £50 on their mail order and they threw it in for nothing. Sure. Well, there was there was this there was this uh, you know sale on sorry there was this lot on that had three of them, and it was bidding starts at ninety nine pence. It's like mm-hmm. I've I've got a German conflict forty seven army. I've got a unit of these heavy infantry guys, and now I've got the option to get three of these models that you know you only ever really need one. So I ended up getting all three <laughs> all three of them for like seven pounds. I've no idea what was going on. Nice. So I got a few bargains in there, along with a, a, an, an enormous expenditure. Um, I'm pretty sure that is all all I've spent money on. Um, yep, that's it. So £410. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. Fucking nightmare. That's, uh, that, that makes, like, usually it's me that's the... Um... Uh, the liability when it comes to this this section of the mm-hmm. uh, I can I can assure you that I have come nowhere near your total 
Yeah, I'm glad. So I've saw you pick up some old hammer stuff, though. Yes. I know there was a few old hammer books that got scooped up. Yes. So you must be up for at least ninety-five pounds this month. Uh, more than that. Hundred thirty. Um, more than that. One four seven. No, more than that. Oh. <laughs> so okay. Uh, well, yeah. Like uh, there's been this has been one of these months where like it's, like things I want have uh, appeared like buses, like you uh, just like all of them at the same time. Uh, so I think I'm trying to think what. I am up to £184.51. That is a pretty big week. Big month, sorry. Yeah, and literally all of it happened in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it? I'd, I'd literally spent 20... In fact, I had spent £11.51 before the start of the week. Wow. Which is nuts in comparison to where where I ended up. Yep. So at, at, towards the start of the month, I picked up um, the fourth edition Skaven Armies book. Um, I also got the Undead Armies book uh, for fourth edition as well, uh, both of them for reasonable prices, which now means that the only ones I don't physically have are the Wood Elf one and the Chaos Dwarf one. Uh, which is a shame because I play Chaos Dwarves, so they're interested in Chaos Dwarves. Um, so um, I'll I'll get them at some point. Um, the other things I bought, I um, a great unclean one, one of the metal ones. So not the really old derpy one, uh, but the one that came out. It must have been about fifth or sixth edition, maybe sixth, I think. Um, had a couple of head options and stuff. It it sort of appears from time to time, um, but not usually particularly cheap. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, I usually see it go for like forty quid upwards, never more than about fifty. Uh, but there was one selling, and I picked it up for twenty five. That's pretty um, tiny. So I was quite happy with that. Uh, it's badly painted, um, but. Um, it's getting stripped and repainted at some point anyway, so it's not a big deal. Um, I've also been kind of slowly, sort of, as I've been kind of ticking off other things, getting to other stuff, uh, and the uh, sort of plague bearers. Now, I can't remember what... These ones would probably have been around about uh, not long after Realm of Chaos as well. The ones that kind of look a little bit more orky, in their facial features, they've got quite sort of yeah. square jaws and tusks as opposed to being the kind of one-eyed ones that came a little bit yep. later. Um, and they've got realistic uh, swords rather than the Juan Diaz ones that look like they're toted around plague spatulas. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're pretty big, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, so uh, like, I picked up one of them. Uh, they all had awesome names like Vomit Wretch and Plague Scum. So I, I picked up Plague Scum. Uh, he 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 arrived a couple of days ago. Uh, the one that the one that shat like me up big style was um, 
a group of 10 um, Chaos Dwarf crossbowmen. Now, they don't appear that often. Uh, and these ones didn't have all the right uh, plastic crossbows. Um, yeah. So I'll need to pick them up at some point um, separately. Uh, but I was watching these, and they were they were one of these that went on for 99p. And I think they were sitting about £51 or something like that on the day. Uh, and I just thought, like, I will pay this amount for them. And yep. about three seconds left, I just bugged it in. And I got them for seventy-seven pounds. So that's pricey, but if they're but, if they're not coming up as you know as a well, common or uncommon thing, they go for ten to fifteen quid each. Yep. And I've got ten, so I would say I've managed to kind of sort of get in the right ballpark for that. Two of them are uh, the Marauder Miniatures crossbowmen which is a different uh, one from the MM90 uh, range that, I would, that I've been painting. I already have that, so I'll flip them uh, for a reasonable price. I'm not going to overly scalp them. So yeah. I'll get some money back from selling them as well. Um, and then the other eight I'll, I'll use. Um, they're all duplicates, so there are, actually, there are actually eight individual sculpts, I think, from memory. It's either eight or six. So I'll flip some of them or try and uh, swap some of them with somebody um, to try and even out the sculpts. So I've got a few more different ones at some point. But yeah, I, could, I couldn't I could turn that one down. Uh, it was too good a, a one to pass. Yeah. Uh, and I'll use them as uh, counts as blunderbuss and fourth. Um, I'm not a... What you yeah, say, Look, it's, especially, especially when you plan on using them in games with friends you're not going to you know yes. events or anything like that so you know i think some um some sort of artistic licenses it's a range warranted they don't have uh crossbow options in fourth they did in third no. so yep. uh, like and gordon's open to play in third as well so um uh, it's it'll count as what it is yeah. so i don't give a fuck uh, and he he won't either. Um, other things that I picked up. So most of these were eBay purchases, uh, like just because, like I say, everything just appeared at the same time. Um, Long term listeners of the podcast will know that um, I picked up it uh, like a year or so ago, a second Marauder Giant for really cheap, uh, missing the barrel and the sword uh, that comes with it. Uh, and I was just, I think it was, this must have been like first thing in the morning. I usually check eBay and I cracked, cracked on, uh, to the, one of the saved searches I've got. And, uh, there was a barrel and I picked up the barrel for seven pounds. So I'm now one more thing closer to having a full complete second giant, um, which is fine. The other purchases I had were... So one was a Kickstarter, um, and it was uh, it was just something that kind of tickled my fancy uh, when I saw it. And not 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 purely because uh, I thought like, wow, this is a, an amazing thing or anything like that. But 
it was just something that might might come in useful at some point or add something different to photos I'm taking of painted miniatures. Um, but um, I follow um, uh, Annie Norman, who is known as Bad Squiddo Miniatures. On um, she's got a shop, yep. uh, and she creates a lot of. Um, a pretty interested cool models most of them femme presenting uh, yeah well she she does a great range of soviet um female yes. bow action miniatures that yes, are really does, popular yeah. yeah she's uh she's quite well known and she's got a real kind of good selection of, of yeah types of models uh but she also she's involved in she was involved in this kickstarter um although not it's not hers she i think she was assisting the the guy doing it um a guy called john hodgson uh who has uh, pulled together a, a book of painting backdrops so they're wow. uh, photograph the design to be used to to photograph miniatures in front of so i think after stretch goals it's now 32 different watercolor paintings in a flip top book uh, that can be used as a backdrop for taking nice that's uh, really good he did uh two he it was so successful he also opened uh opened up another option which was sci-fi backdrops which i didn't back but i might pick up in the future yeah uh, the main the one the one i picked up was the the sort of more fantasy sort of side style one but they were, I think it was eighteen quid for uh, for those, uh, and they look pretty cool. I've seen them in action on video and uh, in photo, and they look quite nice. Uh, so I thought that had ventured, that had gained. It's fairly innocuous. It looks smart. Might use it. Yep. Might not. Um, I'll give it a try. Give me something different, other than boring kind of white light box uh, style photos. Mm. I'd get a little bit of terrain underneath the miniature and take a take a photo or get the aspect right in terms of the basing and the photo uh, and the backdrop itself and it might look quite cool. Yeah. So yeah, there was that, and then this one snuck out of nowhere because um, there'd been no kind of uh, date on it at all. Uh, but um, again, long term followers of the podcast will, will know I'm um, interested in Forbidden Sam, which is like a skirmish version of uh, the Morkborg rules. Now, the guy that, that sort of invented the Forbidden Sam aspect of it, um, uh, I can never remember what his surname is, but his first name is Kevin. Um, I've picked up pretty much everything he's done, so all the variants of that, like uh, the Last War, um, the main Forbidden Sam, um, and whatever the last one was, I can't remember. Uh, but he uh, he's also put one out called Dread Knights, which is kind of um, it's like a monster hunter style one, uh, which appeared out of nowhere. Um, through, I think it was Igloo Press, or it's one of these new kind of, or, or, or maybe not new, but new to me companies. Um, and uh, it, he popped a note up on um, the 28 Discord uh, saying, It's out now, you can get it. 
it's it's not even a pre-order thing. <laughs> if you order it now, it'll be with you in X amount of days, and you can get it from here, here, and here, regardless of where you are in the world. So I ordered it on Thursday or whenever this was, and it was here on Saturday. Uh, so that that was a nice surprise as well. But that that's it. That's all the money. Fucking hell, we've, we've both spaffed our loads there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All the money. Money, money, money. And this is, and this is me not spending, you know, a couple of gift vouchers that I have won at different events that I would have added more money to. Yes. Um, and, and that was because that was that was a gift voucher from Ammo by Mike Jimenez, the sort of good weathering company. Because his website was down, his web store was down for a week or so, so I yes. couldn't shop. And then when I did shop, the thing I wanted was out of stock, so that actually saved me from spending more money. So I'll spend that next month. I'm going to have to keep it light next month because I have overspent on the hobby budget this month. Yeah, fucking uh, Just, I'm going to have to. I just, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't keep going on like I am. No. Sorry, no. Igloo, Igloo Tree was the publisher of the Dread Knights uh, right. game. Not, uh, so I was close, close enough. Uh, so with yeah. all that being said and done, we've talked about what we've hobbied, we've talked about what we've spent, we're excited by what we've spent our money on, which is more the, the most important thing. So we should really start talking about the, the old world, the yes. new New Hammer game. Yes. So, oh, I think I, I, this, is a, this is a bizarre one, because we're not, we're not quite sure what our audience know and don't know. Um, you know, and if there's if there's some of our core audience that have followed us from our Blood Bowl, they might not have a clue as to what we're about to talk about. So, what um, what is the old world, Phil? What? How can you sum it up for for our audience? So, probably as a result of uh, numerous years of sweaty neck beards crying their eyes out about uh, the end times and uh, everybody in the sky falling as a result of that and them not being able to play their beloved games anymore. Games Workshop have uh, finally decided that uh, they can make some money out of this again and, and, have, uh, and have decided to bring back the old world. So they're, they're, they're re-addressing re the uh, fantasy setting, basically. I mean, I think if you're if any, if you're familiar with Games Workshop stuff, as we both are, but our listeners might not be. Um, this this won't be new news, but um, I I could I guess it's it's similar and or, or analogous to the way that Forty K and Horus Heresy work with each other. You've got Age of Sigmar and Forty K, which are now in their respective timelines and then you've got the legacy systems which are Horus Heresy which addresses a particular time period in that game and Old World which addresses a particular time period in uh, fantasy lore um, specifically uh, like I can't remember what the name of the, the, the that particular era is bollocks um, well it's safe I think they say the sentence, you know, quite a few hundred years. So if we're going back to so to Warhammer Fantasy, you know, just before the end of times, you had the the empire was ruled by you know an emperor, uh, you know, 
Dark Elves and Nagaroth, High Elves, or we you know wherever they were. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Bretonia, Chaos West, Kislev, um, you know, all that was all that had happened. And then as you take back through that sort of Warhammer Fantasy history, there was a time, I think it was the time of the three emperors or the three kings, it's when the empire was fractured. So it wasn't a unified entity. It still had the same, um, you know, Talabekland, Reichland, Hawkland. Uh, you know, it still had all the regions were still the same, but they weren't unified under one ruler. They were split between three, I believe. So it's we're going back sort of three hundred years in the sort of Warhammer Fantasy past, which is the setting for it. I hope I've got yes. that right. Um, you know, and the, and the great thing about Warhammer Fantasy is not was is is that its its history is well tracked. Like, there's a lot of excellent um, novels from the Black Library by Games Workshop that detail the history of the old world. You know, there was the trilogy books of the Rise of Sigmar himself, uh, which I've read, and they were excellent. Uh, the same for the creation of the Tomb Kings. Again, they were excellent. Yes. Um, and for the, the elves, the you know their civil war. Again, excellent novels. So they've they've picked a time between that sort of earliest moment of the old world and the sort of the last breaths of the old world before the end of time started. So it's um it's more a time slot of. But it's not been fully explored, so they've, they've yes. got some leeway. They know where they've come from, they know where they end up, but in this period of time, they can they can flesh out a little bit and give us give the give the gamers new things, and that's what excites me the most. So is that you were right as well with the name? Almost, it's the Age of Three Emperors. Oh, cool. So close enough, and yep. I, I couldn't remember what the. Uh, like you, I was struggling whether it was kings or or emperors or something. But yeah, that that that's pretty much you. You're, you're you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's an opportunity for them to explore an area that's not well trodden, yep. uh, but has still got a basis of uh, lore or a backbone of lore that runs through it, and that there's known dates and known incidents around those times yep. uh, that they can expand upon. Um. So yeah, uh, there's a lot, uh, a lot of kind of. There's they've started to flesh that out, in terms of what we're starting to see coming through. Um, I guess, uh, I guess the most logical step of things to do would be to talk about. Well, uh, I, I thought what do we know about be, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, to talk about what we know, but I think, I think what the audience really need to understand is that. Um, what factions are going to be looked upon during this this period of time, and from what Games Workshop have released, they are going to focus upon the Empire, the Dwarves, the Bretonians, the Wood Elves, the High Elves, the Greenskins. So that will be your Orc and Goblin tribes um, from the oh, where are they from? The Black Hills, Black Mountains, bad guys. Uh, the Tomb Kings. Beastmen, as in Chaos Beastmen, and the Warriors of Chaos. Yes. So, and the great thing about those those factions are uh, they are contained 
that's maybe not the right word, but they are from the continent of the old world. Um, yeah, that, that's an know. important takeaway uh, yeah. from the whole game. Uh, they've already said that they're not going to touch on particular things within this story arc because uh, it's all being it, everything that's happening within the game is happening on the continent of the old world. So there'll be no Lustria or Althuan at all yeah. um, within the storyline. Um, and you were right, uh, like all those, th- I think they're viewing those um, factions that you listed as the core factions. So they're, they'll be the ones that'll have the the focus put on them uh, through um, releases and and stuff like that. And, yeah. and and the thing about them is, if you if you know your your maps, they they almost travel together in little groups. So the Bretonian Bretonia and the Bretonians border the realm of the Wood Elves to yeah. the east, I believe, and then to the south is where they bump into the Tomb Kings. So those three are natural, sort of, you would commonly see them on the battlefield. Uh, and a lot of the sort of Warhammer Fantasy lore between the Bretonians and the Wood Elves is, is quite detailed. And um, there's been some fantastic Black Library novels, and I wish I could remember their titles. Um, desperately looking at my bookshelf to see if they fall off and tell me what they are. But, um, you know, then dwarves and greenskins. Yeah, they are obviously always battling each other. Um, and then you look to the Empire and the the Beastmen and the Brayherds. They are always sort of in that sort of central area of um, of the Empire. And then to the north, you hit the Chaos Wastes, yeah. um, which is where your Warriors of Chaos come in. And for the High Elves, for the life of me, I cannot remember where the High Elf colonies were on the Old World. But they they were represented on the map somewhere as a pinprick. They, they were are. more they were more sort of trading ports. I remember on the on the west coast. Yeah, there's a few uh, there's a few on the coast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think the other thing, uh, the other nice thing about so the Empire of Men or or whatever uh, or the Empire for sure is 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 cool because it allows them to explore. Um, all the different kind of facets of that, like cafe and um, uh, what's the other one, Hilia, and all all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, and have have independent kind of bits and bobs, and they they have they have hinted at at, at bringing those back uh, potentially as well. But then you've got discrete kind of slightly different factions like Kislev. Uh, we've seen some concept art for. Uh, more Kislev stuff um, uh, as well, uh, which could be quite interesting. Um, and obviously Kislev's on that map too. Um, yep. So yeah, it's, it's, it looks like it's set up quite nicely. Now, I'm, a sh- I'm, a, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of folk saying, oh, well, there's some big players missing from that. Where are the Dark Elves? Where are... Lizard men, where are chaos dwarves, where are vampire counts, etc., etc. I think I think this this is the moment where you, I would love to see us step in to speak to those people to say, and this might seem, I am just grateful to be getting something. Yes, 
And do you and, know what? Yep. Uh, credit credit to them. They're still going to put out rules for all these factions. Yep. So you will be able to play your existing army, regardless of whether it's part of the main storyline or not, uh, through narrative play or wh- or whatever. Um, uh, you won't just won't get the support. I mean, the way I think the way they framed it was the ones that you listed. So the core the core uh, factions will get new releases. So brand new models at some point or as to how many or or what um, is still fairly closely guarded and we've not got that much of a clue of although we've seen some stuff Um, and then you've got um, return of old kits so old models will be coming back now the extent of that I'm not sure of because some of the things that were would have been classed as Warhammer fantasy that have have been an age of Sigmar for uh, since the start, like some of the cities of Sigmar stuff, um, like the free guild units and stuff like that, and some of the old wood elf units, they've now all been decoupled from Age of Sigmar. So the new cities of Sigmar battle to them doesn't have these boys in it, or they they won't be available as models for them to use um, as those particular things. Um, so whether that just means that they, when they're talking about re- returning kits, whether those things are just going to be dropped square back into uh, the old world setting and be made available with an old world box, that's pers- perfectly yeah. feasible and very likely. Whether they also mean by that that uh, some of the old metal models will be returning as well, um, I'd imagine with Bretonia and Tomb Kings being the two lead-out factions, um, it looks like we'll probably get quite a few of the, their old kits back, I would have thought. Yeah. Uh, which would be quite nice. Um, that would be. There was. Uh, it'll also <laughs> take the bottom out of the eBay market on both of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they are the two factions that Aside from Chaos Dwarves, really, they're the two factions that uh, you need to sell body organs for uh, to be able to buy these days if you want to pick up any of the old stuff. Yep. Uh, the, t- the Tomb King stuff's ridiculously expensive yep. and the Bretonian stuff too. So, I, I have to yeah. say, like, I appreciate what some of the other sort of gamers are, are saying about this. Sort of, you know, when you look at like Dark Elves, Skaven, Vampire counts, they are enormous armies yes. and enormous factions. But I think looking at the time frame, like believe me, I Vampire counts and the undead, like the classic undead before they were split and before there was different types of vampires, and mm-hmm. you know that was that was where I really liked because that. Um, they also had a close association with Bretonians as well. It's, it's another faction I've, I really enjoy. So again, I I'm also missing out a little bit of what I what I would really like. But I'm really appreciative that there is a drive to have, um, you know, a Warhammer Fantasy based, square based, you know, rank and flank, a uh, strategy game again. That's it. Yeah, and, and that, right. that that excites right. me. And and as well though. Looking at the time, the time setting, and this is when I'm really going to have to test my knowledge. I don't believe the vampire counts exist currently. 
because uh, they they stem from Sylvania, and I believe in the current time set in Sylvania is still an active part of the empire. Is it not? Does it not fall into that kind of category where, although they don't technically, it's it's like the Skaven all the way through the latter part of uh, they don't exist, but they're there. Um, so they're they're not known about at this point in terms of their vampiric nature, but there are this suspicions. Is, this is, I think yeah, that's where, is, I think that's where we are with them. Yeah, this is where the listeners that are hardcore oh, fuck, we're gonna get knowledge torn. will be absolutely shit in the bed with us. Yes, and 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 I apologize because I used to be one of you guys. I you know I was a ex games working employee. You know, back in the day, my lore was top notch um, you know the, the height of my passion of Warhammer Fantasy was the global campaign Storm of Chaos yeah. I was, that was phenomenal stuff um, you know I was playing fantasy so much at that time period uh, you know when Archeon when it really mattered you know when it was a really great global campaign uh, I I missed all of that from uh, fourth. Uh, fourth was the last uh, the last involvement I had on on fantasy battle. They were glory um, glory days. So fourth fourth was when they obviously they started introducing heroes into the whole thing uh, because yep. third didn't really have you, you made your own heroes. They weren't really named characters as such in third. So. And they hadn't, I guess, because it was still in its fairly uh, embryonic stages, even at third edition, and they were just starting to expand upon the lore and into fourth with the introduction of these characters. Um, my knowledge of uh, of the extended lore of forty uh, of fantasy, sorry, is not amazing uh, yeah. because I, I'm stuck in a period before that, really. I don't know yeah. how much of a kind of ground digging any of the stuff that uh, appeared. Well, like, later well on. for the for the storm, you know, the siege of Middenheim, um, you know, the, the miniature ranges that came out, the Chitogen Guard were just phenomenal. Even Archeon on horseback himself was just yes fantastic. Uh, Valton, you know, the you know Sigma Reborn, Valton Exalted. And when you got the two, you know, when you got Archeon and Valton Exalted on horseback. You, Put the two together and they formed uh, a duel. Yes. You know, the horses rearing, this, all that sort of stuff was just brilliant. And that's that's what I'm hoping will reignite for me. Uh, and then turn the clock back a little bit further. Uh, the Albion campaign. Mm-hmm. Aye, um, with Fen Beasts and yeah. Uh, with Fen Beasts and the Truthsayer and. Three. Oh, the Dark Emissary, what a fucking legend. He was brilliant. You know, he, so even cool that was... As well. Yeah, awesome model. I've lost all of mine, sadly, these days. But but you look at that little... That was a small campaign that was, you know, had some miniatures, but it had a nice story. There was a purpose for playing your games. Um, oh, they had the Far Albion Giants as well, another unit yes, I'm sure um, you could add. Yes. Um, so I... You know, we've we've sort of talked about what it is. We've talked about what we currently know, but looking forward to is even just the opportunity that, that something like that will happen again. 
um, just sends shivers down me to get back into that and to do it in a friendly way. Yes. A friendly way and a narrative way to play games in that environment again would be really exciting. I would love it. I think uh, that that's that's the opportunity of starting something fresh uh, with uh, a, a gaming group. You know, like for 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 me and uh, for me and Gordon and Ross up here, I guess, uh, and the extension to you if you're wanting to, yep. to play as well. You know, we are we've all got like old Warhammer stuff, uh, and uh, like I'm currently painting an army which i would be able to use in in that but i've also got loads of other stuff that i could um crack out i've got a warriors of chaos army i could field a brayherd army as well um, yep. beastmen dragon ogres all all sorts um i could even possibly field an orc and goblet army as well um of the same era um i've got uh so like I'm, I'm not going to struggle for things to play um, in that context. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll give me the, an excuse to, to paint an army yep. uh, if I've finished the Chaos Dwarves by the time it comes out. Yeah, and the concept art that they produced is really in keeping with, you know, what I believe for me is sort of Warhammer Fantasy and old yes. world themed, and uh, you know the concept miniatures that we've seen. What was it like? There's some sort of Bretonian, some uh, some Camry. So we've seen three actual miniatures so far. We have seen. Uh, oh yeah, Bretonian, sorry. It's, we, it's yeah, we've seen a Bretonian battle standard bearer uh, on a horse. So that's an actual miniature that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, we've seen a Bretonian paladin who's got two build options, so he can be built. Um, He's he's you can build him with uh, like an a stag antler style helmet, uh, or just with a uh, with his helmet off. Um, he looks pretty cool actually. I'm not a massive fan of Bretonians, but the two miniatures I've seen so far from that look great. And there's also a tomb king. Uh, yeah, uh, he looks he looks badass. Cool as well. Um, so I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the new release models will be fairly light. Uh, I don't think we'll see masses and masses of new new models early on. Uh, but I think if it's as, as popular as as we all expect it to be, I think we'll probably see uh, a few like things come pretty thick and fast yeah. after that. Like, like I, I'm realistic in that I don't expect to see. Uh, old world battalion boxes appear for all the factions. You know those those yeah. great boxes you had. Yeah. Um, you know if we get a handful of regiments, good regiment boxes for each faction, you know that, that's a nice start. Um, and if it's yeah, look, that's that's a good start. And I know that they've they've talked about the base, the standard base sizes. So previously, Warhammer Fantasy was on a twenty mil base. This is yeah. going to be on twenty five mil bases. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm not fussed about that. I mean, for the majority of people, it isn't going to make a massive difference because at the difference of that, you're not really, even on unit size or ranking, um, they've talked about the provision of 
movement trays. So I'm assuming Games Workshop are going to re-release -re movement trays or re-release new movement trays as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but uh, uh, if they don't, if I wouldn't be surprised that if they did that, that because uh, they've they've had movement trays out before and it's easy money. There'll be plenty of people who who've got who don't want to rebase an army on twenties. Um, who'll be happy to spend twenty quid for three movement trays or something like that? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I think um I'm not fussed about twenty to twenty five. Um. Do not some care. Bigger, some of the bigger models, uh, like so, it was only really the smaller infantry that were on twenty mil anyway. A lot of the bigger bigger infantry were on twenty fives. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you did have uh, like like. Or the stuff on twenties anyway, or the bulk of units were on twenties, but like I yeah, can't like many people yeah. chucking a bitch fit about that. No, and if they are, then don't listen to our podcasts and you know YouTube videos because they are. We don't care if they are. Rebase your fucking models. Do do what you yeah. like. If you want to play, play. The rules. I I can't for the life of me imagine that the rules will be that prohibitive to. The difference in size of bases that it'll make a massive difference anyway. Um, like we're not in terms of range and stuff like that. We're not talking about things that are going to be a be overly problematic there. No. no. Why things I don't want to see though is the big super scale monsters that you've seen appear in Age of Sigmar. Like the miniatures are just enormous, big things like the oh, I, I can't remember the faction names, but the undead. There's some big flying chariot thing that's just enormous. Oh, like um, the, uh, the black coat and stuff like that. Yeah, that stuff like that doesn't even fit on. It doesn't even remotely fit on the base it's on in terms of the length no. of the damn thing. No, and it still looks cool, know, but yeah, yeah, it looks great. But I mean, but it's, it's practicalities like the biggest thing. I would want to see on a battlefield as a dragon. So they, they must, they've got to bring back dragons at some point uh, yeah. into, into the game. But nothing like dragons. You know, I remember the, the great way you could buy the different mounts like dragon, manticore, hippogriff, griffin. Yes. Um, get all those things back, but don't supersize them to the point of ridiculousness. No, I think they'll, they'll need to be big enough so that they're centerpiece models. And I'm okay with that. But I yeah. don't think we'll see them being so they showed the I don't know if you saw the last uh preview, um they showed a new uh Cities of Sigmar uh model on a uh Manticore. Um and it looks unreal. It it's it's a fantastic model. It's big, but I don't think the um uh, the old world stuff will be that that sort of size. Yeah, that's, that would that would frustrate me, and and you know from a practical perspective as well, transporting. It's already a bollock transport and stuff. Yeah. Now, um, I I would like to see options kept fairly fairly contained, so s smaller ranges to start with, and if they're gonna do new stuff. Um, yeah, I, I can see, I can see there being like the odd centerpiece thing here, 
in there, but not to the extent it is in Age of Sigmar and 40k. I hope, yeah, like you. Um, yeah, I mean, I you was, are, I was, you uh, are going to get stuff like, like this, you're going to get screaming skull catapults and stuff like that, which are going to be reasonably chunky models. I would have thought, um, yeah, I can imagine we know what the design process is you're going to get something similar to the um the hippogriffs and the griffins and stuff like that and the pegasus and we all know their wings aren't going to be in a kind of arced back kind of streamlined yep. sort of thing they're going to be out wide so that they look imposing but we'll see i i can't, I cool. can't see this i can't see it being monster uh, heavy it's going to be but there will be characters i'm sure but it's, I am excited by what's been released. And I am personally okay with the the time frame that they're taking. They're not... Yes. Doesn't a, that doesn't feel a, a rushed element to it, which is nice. Yeah. I, I, like, I like what I've seen. I like the concept art. I'm just flicking through some more of the concept art here. Like, in terms of big stuff, uh, they've, they've shown a concept art piece of the Necrosphinx. Uh, so that'll be fairly chunky, I would have thought. That'll be a big model um, on the uh, Tomb King's side. Carrion were pretty big as well, weren't they? I know they were small in the models that they came out that came out originally, but I'm pretty sure Carrion were supposed to be bigger than the, the models implied they were. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Ushabdi will be quite uh, will be quite uh, tall as well. Yeah, I mean there were some of the Tomb King stuff did get a bit sort of big and spindly, but uh, the Bone Giant. Yeah, he was a pain uh, in the arse. Um. So yeah, I think um, it'll be nice to see what what they come out with, um, new models wise. But so I I reckon I'm. I think we we were probably likely to see Tomb Kings and Bretonians in the start or the the end the entry box or whatever they call these things these days. I would have thought. Yep. Um, and I could see you having like that named character or or non named character, the the paladin and the Tomb King with hand weapon as they're calling it. Um, yeah, I could see those two being the main leaders of those factions. And then... Well, the great the great thing about those two antagonists is the sort of parallels to real world history that they always tried to yes. draw from from my perspective, and that you know the knights are on a crusade through you know the Middle East. Um, yes. You know, I'm I'm sure it was a Grail quest in the Warhammer Fantasy setting, um, which is why these two antagonists end up together. Uh, in combat in, in the yeah. desert. Speaking Which of is... grail, grail related stuff, if they bring back the Grail reliquary, uh, I will buy that model. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. Even good. if I'm not, even if I'm not play, uh, playing uh, uh, the, the faction, I it's one of the ones that I would quite I would quite like. Uh, even if they don't re uh, release a new version of it, if they just brought back the the old. The old one, I'd be, I'd yep. ha be happy with that. Uh, it was quite a cool uh, set with the uh, six guys and then the dead knight on the uh, the yeah. top. Uh, 
Loved it. That was some excellent stuff. And um, I think for me personally, and I know for you as well, that I think Games Workshop and the team that they've got working on this have made some good positive steps. And that the negative press that's out there, just ignore it. It's noise. It's the same as with everything that Games Workshop do. There are loud, noisy, obnoxious people who are instantly offended by everything. And it's almost a case of, well, okay, you don't like it. So how about you just go and just forget it exists? If you yep. don't like it, nobody's asking you to play it. Nobody wants you to play it if you don't like it. But and you don't need to comment on it. Just walk away. Yeah. Walk away. Enjoy. I know enjoy that we're about to like. yeah. keep dropping things. <laughs> I know that we're about to tie up this section. Mm-hmm. And one thing that actually happened to me today, I was playing a game today in a friendly local gaming store. And it was a quiet Sunday afternoon. There was maybe sort of eight other games going on. And I rolled some dice for something exciting to happen. And I still cheered and yelled. And I was halfway through that. And people were looking around me. And that's when I sort of toned it down and said, yeah, oh, exciting dice roll for something that nobody cares about except me. And, you know, got a few laughs around. And it was that realisation that, you know, as a 43-year-old man, still getting excited about rolling dice for toy soldiers that don't really matter. Yes. And then getting to read about the old world, which is a, you know, a Warhammer fantasy setting that always excited me when I was younger. And to knowing that that feeling might be coming back. Yeah. Looking forward yes. to it. I, I'm, I'm the same. You know, like, uh, I've, I've loved the nostalgia of recollecting old world stuff. Uh, or old hammer stuff rather, um, yeah. but as soon as this was mentioned in 2019, um, originally, um, no doubt COVID put a couple of blocks on uh, it happening earlier than it, uh, than it's going to. Uh, but uh, as soon as as soon as we were made aware of it, I was like, I'm going to play that. I don't care whether yeah. it uh, comes out four years, five years from now, and I don't care whether I'm in my 50s by the time it comes out I'm going to give that a bash Yeah, um, colour me interested yeah. and you know one of the other great things about it is it's really <laughs> I hope it's still the case it's really light on scenery <laughs> <laughs> yeah two hills a couple of forests green hills, a little, yeah. a little uh, farm and then just go nuts if you want to get super spicy uh, create a little river uh, oh. to, to run through fucking a river that means you have to have a bridge and you have to have at least two places that can be forded. <laughs> yes, yes. Or, or, or it's, you know, the table's OP. Yeah. You're, uh, you're helping the artillery armies more than the infantry I, armies. I love the... Um, are you familiar with Crown of Command podcast? Negative. No. It's uh, a guy, I think he used to work for Games Workshop. Uh, Gordon knows him uh, through um, sort of gaming and stuff like that. Um, and this is going to be one of these things where I'll offend him uh, if he ever comes across this. I'm pretty sure he's Australian, but I, I, I he may he may well be a New Zealander. I'd pass. He's got yeah. an, uh, he's got a, an accent from that sort of neck. He lives in Japan. Um, 
now. Uh, he's a commissioned painter as well. But he has a podcast and he also does like uh, stuff on YouTube. And he's been running a bunch of uh, old um, games of uh, Fantasy Battle. And his his uh, scenery setup is exactly like we've been describing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really well done. Uh, but like he's been playing through old um, uh, playthroughs of uh, games that were in White Dwarf and stuff like that as well with his yeah. um, and some some of the stuff, and it's really it's really good. It's worth watching. So Crown, Crown of Command, uh, you on YouTube, um, good good guy, nice nice to listen cool. to as well. On that little positive note, we'll tie up a uh, the old world, New Hammer, and um, make a promise that we will be returning to it. On a regular basis, as as often as new material and interest allows. Yeah, so folk who've been listening for a while know that we we're diversifying a bit away from just talking about Blood Bowl, and um, we'd introduce obviously your bolt action stuff, and uh, I talk regularly about Old Hammer. Uh, the old world will be here to stay as soon as it appears. I'm sure, and it'll become a regular part of yep. our ever-growing repertoire of things to chat about so absolutely yes on that note on that note listeners game me up yep on that note listeners we're going to now talk about actual war gaming that myself and phil have done so uh, we won't be upset if you turn off now but you might learn something if you stay and listen so do you want me to go first because you've got more to talk about or uh, I've yeah, sure. You've got less to talk about. Yeah, Still, so just I've... as important, but less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got uh, I've got a smaller sphere of things uh, game wise. Um, so, I've been to one tournament, uh, and that was Glasgow, um, in Glasgow. Uh, so that's run by uh, um, Lewis Mullen, uh, who's Lewis M, on uh, on NAF. Um, he, uh, I think this is the second year. Yeah, it's the second year. Uh, I didn't get to go last year, which was a shame. Uh, it was one of the few days of that particular month that my wife was working, um, uh, on a weekend, uh, which meant, um, when the opportunity arose to go this time round, uh, I got that in the calendar as soon as possible. Um, went down with, um, Callum. Uh, Shrike and um, Sean, whose name name's Spooner. Uh, we went in the car, and there was another car from Aberdeen, which was Gordon Huntley Woon and Liam Philby. Uh, so there was there was five of us um, from Aberdeen, which isn't as many as normal, but I think it, it kind of wasn't. Um, there was a few folk who were unavailable. Um, it was good. It was a great, a great tournament. It was nice. It's got um, like a for a wee bit of flavour. You get a um random roll on a a player who doesn't have any skills. Who so an unskilled player mm-hmm. in this context is somebody who hasn't had any additional skills given to them. So you choose three people. You roll, and whichever one gets uh, becomes the Ouija, which. Uh, anybody who knows <laughs> Scottish people uh, will be aware of uh, uh, Glaswegians or Ouija's as they're known. Um, that Ouija then gets the skill stab, 
which is all the Another common, yes, another common common thing. Um, I didn't know so they'd done that. You, that you is get, solid gold. It gets better. So you get stab in the first round. They then get shadowing in the second round. So stab and shadowing. The same and player. Yes. And then the, by the third round, they get unchanneled fury as well. So it, it's it's funny and ruined my last game, <laughs> which I'll get to as I go through. The I game. have to say that is an amazing rule pack. Well yeah, done, I mean, good job, the, super yeah, team to Glasgow. It's because a well you, thought out addition. That one, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you do, if anybody does go to Glasgow, try and not get stabbed. But yes. it will be the friendliest stabbing you will ever encounter. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> so depends yeah, how he, drunk the stabber is. It, it was well it was well it's well thought out in terms of how it works, but um it has its obviously obvious problems associated with it which we'll which we'll get to. Um so I took orcs, um, which I'm perfectly comfortable playing and have reasonable success with, I'm happy enough with them. Um so the rules pack itself was kind of... I mean, it's pretty much the World Cup pack, but with the addition of the Ouija. So I had six skills, um, of which I took um, uh, two block uh, on Biggins, two guard on Biggins, Mighty Blow on a Blitzer, and guard on a Blitzer. I didn't take a thrower. Uh, I had 12 players. Uh, so troll, four Biggins, four Blitzers, two line orcs, and a goblin. Um, and I had three rerolls, two assistant coaches and a cheerleader to fill out the uh, the cost. I'm not a fan of the thrower to lower our armor piece, and with it being a stab-heavy uh, uh, tournament, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to make sure I had as few uh, low armor pieces. The goblin gets a buy because he gives you the throw teammate option. You don't have to run him on defense. Mm-hmm. So that that's fine with me. Um, the, the thrower ends up taking away a skill because you kind of want to give it block. So it takes away a skill from either a big one or a blitzer. If you do it down that route, in my opinion, you don't want to have an un, an unskilled one. Um, so yeah, I game one, um, I am drawn up against Amsfeld, which is Ben. He's uh, another member of the Scottish committee and uh, sort of one of the, the kind of uh, MKBBL guys. Uh, he was also running Orcs. Uh, he had a thrower build, uh, so he was slightly different from mine. So first game's an Orc off. You know, you know with any mirror match, uh, these things are decided by whose dice are less shit than uh, than the other person's. My dice were more shit than his were. Uh, but only in the second half when it actually mattered. In fact, right. from turn eight of his drive, my dice were appalling. They were really bad. I um, started strong, so I, I kicked to him at his uh, request. Uh, he got a uh, quick snap so managed to move an extra square on six players i think he had or it was either five or six um he got the ball uh something fucked up for him which gave me a hit of the ball i managed to kind of pop it it buggered about he managed to get it down again 
there was a lot of fucking fannying about uh, for two or three turns. I cashed three of his players at this point. Um, he didn't have an apple. What there was a biggin, there was a blitzer, and the thrower all went. Oh, good pieces. Uh, so all all positionals. Uh, he also removed three of my pieces, but they were all KOs. Uh, so he KO'd two um, biggins uh, with block and a blitzer. So also all positionals of mine um, yeah. and useful ones. Um, yeah, but they've, they've gone to the KO bin, so they're not gone. Well. As we're about to find <laughs> out, I think. <laughs> so yeah, I I popped the ball in, uh, a couple of times and managed to get squeak through and get away and then I had seven squares to move with move six uh, and I had to make a go for it and I had no re-rolls and if I'd made this I'd have been one nil up going into his, into my drive with the possibility of starting with nine players versus at, at worst case scenario versus him uh, playing with nine players at best case scenario um, I think, in fact, I'd KO'd a guy as well, so he might have been on eight potentially at that point. Um, failed tripwire, totally fucked me. Uh, so that was the that was the first really bad thing that happened to me uh, in terms of uh, the game. The game was in my favour at that point. Um, it hadn't been horrendous for him, um, aside from the casualties. Uh, his his armor breaks had been good. My armor breaks had been pretty poor. I think I I'd, I'd actually not I'd knocked people down, but not actually broken armor that much. But the the ones I had had been removals. Um, so that's fine. Get to the end of the half. I think well, okay. I'm st- I've still got a good chance here. I'm receiving. Um, he, um set up i rolled for my ko's so i had three of them only one of them came back so i was two black or mm. two biggins down because it was the two biggins that didn't come back um and then i'm like okay well that's pretty unhelpful uh because now he out outstrengths me although i still had more guard than he did um i had i still had the two guard biggins and the guard blitzer um, and one of the guys I'd got rid of, of his had got guard. Um, so he was in, although he outstrengthed me at that point, uh, I still had something to work with. I'm like, right, okay, that's fucking dog shit. Uh, so we set up, uh, he rolls for the kickoff. Uh, the kick goes really deep. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, I can. I, I've set up to to mitigate against that. What I wasn't set up for really was uh, him to roll a blitz, which he did, of course. Um, and he managed to kind of get a guy down the, um, uh, two guys down the side, uh, which then ended up. So the ball ended up in my in the end zone, and then bounced out. Uh, which gave me a touchback, and I'm like, well, okay, what what do I do with this now? Because 
if I give it to the guy at the back who would have been the guy picking it up, uh, he's now got two guys in my backfield and he can tie up pretty much all of my team yep. very, very easily. Uh, so what am I going to do here? So I thought, right, well, the only thing here that I can do or should be doing here is trying to score as early as possible to get me another chance to get those two KOs back. Because if I score within three turns, get those two KOs back, I'm starting with, uh, I'm, I will suddenly be outstrengthening him again and even kick into him. There's a good chance I'll be able to stop him from scoring. So I can secure yeah. a draw minimum here. Um, so I gave it to a blitzer on, on the line, knowing that I could clear that blitzer quite easily. Um, but because of the way I'd set up, I wasn't not set up for a blitz, but I, because I, I was missing players, um, you don't get the same breadth as, as you would uh, with that. So you have to be a bit more spite, a bit more stretched at that point. So I didn't have masses of players to push up the line. Um, but if I could move or knock down a couple of players, I would have no problem getting a screen in, really. Uh, I might have to make a few uh, rushes at this uh, to do that. But, you know, like we're playing a game where odds would be in my favour in that respect. They were not in my favour. I, <laughs> I, I think my first block was with a big in without block, and it was a double both down, so I had to re-roll that. Um, re-roll that into a push, uh, which is fine. And that then meant that, because I'd had to use a re-roll there, I then had to use the troll next. So I'm like, that's not ideal. So I, I, I then used, I used the troll. The troll actually worked, that was fine. That meant I could free up another guy and then push two players forward to, including the the, uh, the guard blitzer with the ball and a line orc. Uh, in order to get the line orc into position, I had to make a, a rush. And I failed that rush. So I'd used two rerolls in the first turn. Already, yeah. Already. Which meant I only had one reroll left at this point. I was like, okay, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? Because I've got all these guys. So I had to bring the guy in the backfield forward to tie up somebody. That's fine. But then I had to make more rushes with players to get into other positions now without a reroll. I made a rush with the goblin. He failed it. And I was like, I can't afford to spend a third reroll in this turn to, to make that work. So I'm going to have to leave it as it is. He can't hit the ball carrier without making a four-plus dodge um, and two go for it. That was the closest he could. Uh, that was the closest he could manage was a four-plus dodge and two go for it. Um, he managed to do that in the next turn, and then everything just went from bad to worse at that point. Like he picked up the ball, um, managed to kind of get a little bit further forward. All I had to do at one point was move the troll to to tie up three people. So it was a two-up. Um, troll went stupid, so didn't move. I then had two dice on the ball carrier, which was a goblin, with a mighty blow blitzer, and rolled a double push, 
which was no use, and re-rolled my use my last re-roll. So I'm like, if I knock this guy down, he's probably not scoring, so I can get everything kind of wedged back in. Um, re-rolled it into a push and a skull. So I'm like, nightmare fuel, amazing. And then I then had an opportunity to kind of bring somebody else round, and then they failed to go for it. So I, I failed like numerous. Uh, rushes by this point uh, over turns and eventually he kind of snuck in and scored but only after I'd managed to get kind of multiple players back uh, he was trying to stall out uh, for 8 turns but then I managed to get a couple of players back into play but I'd lost a couple of players to uh, a casualty, I think two casualties by now and although I'd cashed another of his players the fact that I had two KOs and a casualty, and then he KO'd another player, meant that I was actually down on players now. Uh, so there'd been a massive swing in momentum there. Um, and he got um, he got the touchdown because I forced him to go. Because was, I was going to be hitting the ball carrier uh, the next turn because he couldn't free up. Uh, he couldn't get both of the guys that could have hit him. Um, so I'm like, right, okay, I've got three turns here. If I get my two biggins back, at least that's fine. I got all of my players back. So I got the three players I needed back, but I've got no rerolls. We set up. So I'm players up on him. Um, everything looks good. The kickoff result is a uh, timeout. So I lose a turn. So that now turns into <laughs> to me having... Uh, one less turn. Now, two turns score with it, Orcs is, is feasible. Uh, but with Animosity, it's not really as easy as it used to be. Um, losing a turn wasn't helpful. Not having a reroll is not helpful. I failed the pickup of the ball um, and then failed the handoff that I had to make to, uh, uh, to even kind of get into the field of making a pass to score try and catch it and then make two go for it to score so I lost that one 1-0 one that was a long winded way of telling yeah, it was an absolute fucking shit show yeah, it, was a long, it was a long story there was a lot there, happened in that yeah it was a bad game uh, in terms of dice um, ben, ben played fine you know like he played what he needed to do he was playing what was in front of him um, like his dice weren't amazing like they were it wasn't like he was doing like which we'll get to on game three, three uh, with my opponent there. But um, like Ben's dice were pretty average. Mine were just dog shit. <laughs> and draw would possibly have been a fairer result. Um, but um, fair play to him for getting the win. Uh, game two was against a guy called George, um, who was running Chaos Renegades. Um, and he was fresh out of getting pumped 4-0 in the first round. Um so um I'm not I was I I wasn't aware of him in terms of his skill level or anything like that. Everybody can have a bad game. Uh yeah. Gordon lost three one in his first game. Uh he's a pretty competent player, so everybody can have bad games here and there. So I wasn't I wasn't going to be like taking this guy's skill level for granted. Um Chaos Renegades aren't a particularly great matchup for slow teams or um, 
or what have you, because they've generally got a couple of big guys and they can tie things up reasonably easily. Unless you're getting removals, it's not so great. So I started off against him, and as it transpired, he is a fair... Although he's played Blood Bowl quite a bit, legacy-wise, he's a fairly new player in terms of tournaments and stuff like that. Um, and he made a few mistakes, which I was quite easy, easily capitalised on. Um, I think he tried to move the ball forward far too early, uh, which allowed me to, to pile in and smash him, uh, grab the ball, run up the side, stall out for eight turns and walk it in for a 1-0 on his drive. Yeah. And then I just did exactly the same on my drive, uh, ground up the pitch, removing his players, tying up on ones here and there. Um, I didn't. I think I only caused one casualty, but there were a lot of KOs and a lot of surfs as well. I, I surfed a few of his players. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that was a 2-0 win. Really nice guy, though. I had a good chat with him afterwards. He's going to the Bring Your Own Lead thing in uh, Nottingham at the Foundry, uh, which is an old Hammer uh, event that, that's that's run there, although they're moving premises, apparently, in the future. So, yeah, he, he, was, a, he was a nice opponent, nice guy. Game three. So I'm sitting on 101. Um, I'm sitting there thinking, right, okay, if I can get, get a draw in the last game, that's fine. Um one one one's okay. I'll, I'll, I can be at peace with that. Um, came up against a guy called Simon um, in the last game. He was running Dark Elves. Um, now, Dark Elves aren't a, a, a difficult team to, for uh, Orcs to play against because you generally end up running player light. So, like, if I can get players up on him and things go a little bit wrong um, for him. I can possibly grind out a, a win um, with that. Uh, th things did not go like that. Uh, let's let's put it at that one. I did get a draw in the end, yeah. but, um, and I was more likely to get a win than he was. But the, the tail of the tape with that one was first half, he played a very good, solid defence. Very good. He was a fairly new player as well, but he played a very good uh, column defence. Um, and that left me with a three-up, four-up, uh, no, a four-up, three-up, and two go-for-its to score. Uh, I had two re-rolls at that point. I hadn't removed... In fact, I'd only removed one of his players, and it was a KO. Um, and this was, I got that in in turn eight. There was a good chance of me scoring with that uh, that sequence, you know, with, with two rerolls. It was a pretty high odds, and I did. So one one nil going into his drive. Yep. Um, he the ball went quite deep. Uh, he uh, tried to push one side. I shut that down. He swung back round to the other side. Pretty standard dark elf kind of play. Managed to kind of pen him in. Uh, he left me two dice on the ball carrier if if I could move one of his players. Uh, the ball carrier was a runner, uh, and he it was pouring rain. I forgot to say this. This was a pouring rain thing. So I picked up the baller in the first half on a four plus with no issue. So I can't really complain about that. Uh, but for him, it was a three plus, uh, and he picked it up no problem either. 
Um, but when it came into play again was when I went to hit the ball carrier, he had a dump off, which was a three-up pass to the Witch Elf that was on the sideline. Um, and obviously he can't use any re-rolls uh, during my turn. Mm-hmm. And the so it was a three-up pass, three-up catch because of pouring rain on the sideline. Uh, he he made it, um, but he was pinned on the sideline by my black orc at that point. Uh, he managed to knock down my black orc with a bit of shenanigans. He then proceeded to jump four players over my uh, my prone player uh, and get into the backfield. But it's not particularly safe because I could still do some stuff. I parked a couple of players on his players and went for my big power play. I hadn't stabbed a single fucking player until this game. And I stabbed two of the line, did fuck all. And I thought, right, my hero play here is a sideline blitz. I've got a reroll. I can do this. I can absolutely do this. Um, I'm like, get the goblin primed. All I've got to do is not roll a one on Animal Savagery, or on Channel Fury, rather. Roll a dice, one. Fuck's sake, right. Okay, re-roll, one. Like, bollocks. Well, there we go. That's that's the game gone then. So he managed to walk it in uh, the next turn because the pressure would have been too much in terms of players getting back. He wouldn't be able to support any better to stall out. That gave me five turns. I ground my way up, or four turns. I gave, ground my way up the pitch. And I was in a similar situation to I was in the last uh, uh, half where I had to make a... This time it was a four-up, four-up, three-up uh, uh, without any go-for-its. But I had no re-rolls this time and I failed the four-up, so it was a 1-1 draw, which was a bit a bit of a pest. But still, you know, like, what 1-1 ended... ended, ended uh, 1-1-1 ended up uh, for mid-table obscurity. Um but yeah, I, I felt like I, 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 could, I didn't do anything wrong in the two games that weren't wins. Uh, maybe could have put the, uh, the Blitzer in a slightly better position to stop the, uh, or to make it harder for the two dice uh, with the Black Orc if he made the four plus dodge in the game against Ben. But like, that's just the way these things go sometimes. It was a good tournament. It was well run. Uh, Ryan uh, Morneville, uh, who is now living in Edinburgh, but is still part of the Aberdeen League, he uh, came second, which is great. Excellent. Um, Good result for him. So, yeah, I think the winner was uh, a guy called Doug Wright. uh, And I think he'd only been to two tournaments, I think, before this and had a very poor experience in terms of results and went 3-0-0, which was fantastic. Good. It was great, great to see, great to see, and it was a uh, well attended. I think there was forty, there was over forty people there, which is which is grand. But that's it. That's the extent of mine. Um, I haven't done any other hobby. What about yourself? Yeah, uh, gaming wise, for me, has been pretty straightforward. As I said, most of my sort of free time has been focused upon uh, tournament prep, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But gaming wise, um. I'm still playing in the online Fumble Blood Bowl League, the Snail Cup. And I'm playing dwar- I'm using Dwarves and I delivered another 1-1 draw again. So I am now um, 
one win and six draws from a from a dwarf team, and I'm beginning to realise now that my dwarf attacking game is good. I can always get the touchdown over. My dwarf defensive game is bad because I cannot stop my opponent rescoring. Um, and it's it's getting down to the point where I've just my team has not developed as much as it, as it really should have by now because um, all the star player points are just spread equally throughout the entire team. You know, skill-wise, I've managed to pick up Mighty Blow on a Troll Slayer. My uh, runner has got Block and Leader. Uh, and I've got one guy with Guard. Uh, I got frustrated twice and took random general skills on two Dwarf Blockers just because I got frustrated and wanted something to happen. Uh, one of them got Fend, which is actually reasonably useful. Um... But another one got um, armbar, which just frustrating. Yeah. Um, so I'm not not developing enough skills now. So my I end up my defensive game needs to work. Um, you know, people are managing to sneak past and getting these touchdowns to tie, and then you know. They're, they'll be scoring on like their turn three or four. Uh, then they kick to me, and then I hold on to the ball and defend for you know the next three or four turns to to get the draw. Whereas on my drive, I can always push it forward, and then usually by turn six, I'm within scoring range, uh, and then I just stall out to do a turn eight touchdown, which is exactly what you should do with a dwarf team. So mm-hmm. need to work on it, but I'm still enjoying. The, the Snail Cup. Uh, I enjoyed a really nice game against uh, an undead team. Uh, you know, got bullied a bit. He had some good guard and good mighty blow, but um, you know, he was quite thankful that he had uh, regen because some of his guys were going to be permanently dead. Um, can't remember the name of my opponent, sadly. And then I gave a local player a friendly bolt action game so that they could practice their tournament Megatron 3000 list. Um, and I drafted up a, a suitable list, you know, that, that I would have considered taking to the event um, and uh, enjoyed some... Oh, the dice peaked in trough, but I put in a solid win against them uh, and made him question his list, sadly. Uh, I don't know if there was anything necessarily wrong. I took a German list, which was known as the Last Levy. So it was a final defence of Berlin army list. Um, and he had a allied Romanian list, which is a bit unusual. You won't hear about them that often. But it's when the Romanians were invaded by the Soviets and they switched sides from the Axis to the Allied side. Um, oh, I think it was just one of those one of those days for the player when, you know, all his plans came undone and my plans were executed well. Uh, so no, both 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 enjoyable games um, and good results. But as I've said, my big focus has been the Megatron Cup weekend and it's a weekend where there's a, a bolt action event on the Saturday called the Megatron 3000 and a Blood Bowl event on the Sunday which is called the Megatron Mega Bowl 
and there are players that play in both and they accumulate separate points and they play for the Megatron Cup um, I think to count there might be nine players at the moment that are going to be doing that so um, they're going to have a long weekend but each each event runs individually as well uh, you know so players there's 46 players for bolt action on the Saturday but I think we're currently sitting at 33 players for Blood Bowl on the Sunday um, but one of the big things I want to to say at this juncture is the sponsors who have come on board to provide price support, assist with trophies, gaming mats and scenery have been I would think second to none and uh, looking at the, the sponsors for the Blood Bowl side of things, Charlie Victor uh, Madden Max, Custom Patriot Games, Hunger Miniatures and Footsore Miniatures and Games are all contributing to the prize pool that uh, the, the Blood Bowl players will get to to play for and a, a company called Coed Designs as well um, company coming out of Sweden that have provided a cool um, Blood Bowl dice bag uh, which will get handed out as well the 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 bolt action side of things is is bigger. We've got a prize support package from Warlord Games, so that the manufacturer of bolt action, a company called Rubicon. Rubicon produces uh, twenty eight millimeter um, plastic kits uh, for World War Two and for Vietnam. They've got they've got a huge range. Footsore miniatures. Osprey Books, who are the publisher of um, the different campaign books that Bolt Action use. Any Scale Miniatures, they're a local company in Scotland that do a lot of 3D printing. Coed Design, who I've mentioned, they produce dice bags made by hand. Gamermat AU, uh, we've got a double-sided six-foot-by-four-foot game mat from them to be given away to the, the players that contribute to Rain. MicroArt Studio, who I've mentioned earlier in this podcast, they generate the um, MDF printed terrain um, coming out of Poland. Exit 23 Games, Die Waffenkammer, uh, are a printing company coming out of um, Canada. Demonscape, are another Scottish company, they produce our trophies. Alba Studios, are a printing and commission painting company from Aberdeen in Scotland. Mardav 3D Printing who I've spoken about already and the, the price support package they're going to be giving. Uh, you know, they've, they're pre- providing vouchers and 3D printed vehicles. Uh, we've also got 3D Printing Valley. They're a return sponsor this year. They produced um, vouchers again and a very cool 3D printed KV-1 Soviet tank. First Core. Uh, they are from Nottingham. They uh, have sent along a bunch of their British Expeditionary, British Expeditionary Force um, metal miniatures. So they're the great thing I love about First Corps is whenever they send prize support, it comes in this really small box that goes through your letterbox. But when you open it, it's like the fucking TARDIS, and all these miniatures just vomit out of it. And <laughs> their their packing team must be phenomenal. Um, another great returning sponsor. From last year is Weldon Tabletop Wargames. He's my go-to guy for um, purchasing bolt action 
uh, toy soldiers. So he maintains a great online store in England. He was one of our key sponsors last year and has returned again this year. And uh, another terrain sponsor uh, is uh, Whalen Yutani Terrains. They predominantly do um, bolt action World Team Championship stuff, but they've got uh, gaming mats that are suitable for bolt action. And they're going to be providing some um, some vouchers for the players as well. So it's, it's a pretty robust uh, list of sponsors. And currently, as it stands, I believe everybody that plays bolt action will walk away with something in their hand. So, um, and that's that's not to say that everybody's not everybody's going to get a trophy, but everybody should have something that they can go away from the tournament and and continue their hobby. And just keep them enthusiastic about what they're doing, and you know, feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's real good. Yep. So I think there'll be there'll be a lot more said about that because I think this time next month when we record the Megatron Cup weekend will have run. So yeah. um, we'll have been in the same room together, which we haven't done for a long time uh, on that Blood Bowl Sunday. So we'll have we'll have a lot to talk about in August. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I will be, um, be, yeah, the, the first time in a long time we've been in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Heaven forbid we might actually have to do two episodes in August. Yeah. Who knows? Yep. The um, that sounds, but that sounds like great. Uh, sort of work getting those prizes sorted. Um, you know, it's. It's one of these things I find uh, with Blood Bowl. It's maybe because there's so many tournaments now. Uh, struggle to kind of find something that that's not being done by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like everybody's got the same shit uh, being like put out all the time. Like all the tournaments have got the same stuff. So it's nice. It's nice seeing new things coming through, and uh, obviously, bull actions a bit. Uh, seems to be a bit more prize focused uh, for in terms of prize pools. We've discussed that before. So, yeah. you know, that's good. Good, good seeing. Cool. Good seeing what's coming through, and yeah. looking forward to going. As am I. Looking forward to TOing it. But with that all being said and done, I think that draws to a close. Uh, episode seven of series four, New Hammer, and uh, I look forward to talking about more Old Hammer and Old World in the near future. Yep, me too. Okay, stay safe, gentlemen. Goodbye. Take it easy.